Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be with you guys this morning as we continue our teaching series through the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have a copy of the Bible with you, let me encourage you to go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And while you guys are finding that, uh, I just wanted to share with you guys some things that I'm learning. So I think if, if these days that we've been caught at home have taught us anything, it's really about the need for focus. Uh, getting focused and staying focused is something that I'm really wrestling with in these days. You know, at our house, we've got three kids that are trying to do online school and, and I'm trying to work from home as much as possible. And Paige is, is making sure that we're all staying on task and, and it can be extremely exhausting. In fact, you know, most days I'm doing good to know what day it is. In fact, earlier this week, I was, uh, trying to get the trash out to the curb. And Paige comes out and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking the trash out. It's trash day. She's like, no, it's not trash day. Tomorrow's trash day. So I'm completely lost uh, sometimes on what day it is. And I'm hoping that you guys can uh, relate to uh, that as well. But one of the things that I have found such great comfort and, and even peace in in these days is the presence of our Heavenly Father. Uh, I have found it uh, so much easier and found uh, great comfort in this path that we call discipleship, uh, this path of following Jesus as a disciple. And so this morning, we want to continue on this path of practical disciplines for uh, a disciple. And, and today, really, we come to one that is extremely challenging, uh, one that is often neglected in our practices of discipleship. But also, it is probably one of the disciplines that reaps the greatest harvest. And we're talking about fasting. Now, I know this is not exactly what you want to hear after you have burned through all of your quarantine snacks for the week already. Uh, But I I think it it is something that serves us really well in these days. And so I want us to learn from Jesus today how we can practice fasting and how that helps us hone our spiritual focus and gets us ready for a spiritual reset. So we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. Uh, Let me encourage you to to look at that with me this morning. And, And this is what Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So let's pray together this morning. Uh, Father, we are grateful for today and this time that we can come together and worship. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that today, Lord, we're looking at something that is uh, often neglected. Sometimes we're even a little uh, wary or afraid of practicing in our life. Uh, But God, I pray this morning that you would give us insight and show us the benefit of fasting as a practice and a discipline in our life. Lord, I know that in these days, uh, this is something that can serve us really well, Lord. We are seeking your answers. We are seeking for your direction and your guidance. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lead us this morning through your word. Help us to to, uh, reveal some of the mystery behind fasting. And God, show us some practical ways that we can begin to implement this discipline in our lives. And so, God, we ask that you would lead us through this time, that we would humble ourselves before the teaching of your word and your Holy Spirit. And God, that that you would begin to show us ways that we can apply this and begin practicing fasting in, in ways that are helpful, not only for Uh, our soul, but especially for resetting our lives spiritually 
and uh, gaining a spiritual focus in these days. And so, Father, we pray that you will lead us, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for uh, praying with me this morning. And so I want us to begin where Jesus does. And he just simply says this, and when you fast, and, and so really what he does here at the beginning is he helps us to understand that spiritual focus is intentional. Okay. Spiritual focus is intentional. And so when it comes to spiritual focus, we need to approach it with a practical intentionality. And what I mean by that is simply this, you don't just accidentally become spiritually focused. Uh, it takes some, some effort on your part. So what happens is you begin to do something differently in your spiritual life. You, you see that you need to develop an area of discipline. And so you do something differently so that you can gain or attain a, a renewed spiritual sensitivity or a renewed spiritual attentiveness and focus. And so today is Palm Sunday. And today's the day that we as Christians set aside and we commemorate the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem for the final week of his life. And he entered into the city with shadows of Hosanna and praise, and uh, there were people laying their cloaks down and palm branches and all of that. But when we look at the person of Jesus on this day, we see a man who, who is entering into the city with spiritual focus and intentionality. He knows that in just a few days that he will be giving his life as the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And so as followers of Jesus, let us approach life with that same intentionality that Jesus did as he entered into Jerusalem on that final day. And so what we find is that spiritual focus is, is not the result of the will of the flesh. We can't make ourselves focus spiritually, but we find that spiritual focus is the result of a life that is surrendered to our Heavenly Father. And so as we begin to give up more of ourselves and give in more to the Lord, we find that there's a greater spiritual focus that results. And so when we put it simply, we see the need for change in our lives, and so we begin to do we begin to practice things purposefully okay we begin to do things with greater intent and so that we can attain this greater focus and here's all we're doing we are removing distractions when we remove distractions from our life in order to focus our lives more spiritually, we find that spiritual focus and a spiritual reset results. And so what Jesus does here at the beginning of verse 16 is really simple. He just, he just sets out for us an expectation. He says, but when you fast, and that expectation then gives seed to uh, an intention or intentionality. So fasting, we're going to define it this way. It is the purposeful abstaining from food for the purpose of spiritual focus or spiritual reset. Okay. And, and understand this for, for so many years, even in my own life, I looked at fasting as kind of the exception. This is what the really holy and really spiritual people did. But Jesus establishes, establishes it for us as an expectation. He says, not if you fast, but when you fast. And so the intent behind fasting is always the pursuit of God. That, that we want God to do something powerful and something supernatural, not only in our lives, but through our lives and around our lives as well. And so in doing that, we are recognizing the need for God to have a greater say or influence in our life and the recognition of greater leadership from the Lord in our life as well. 
And so when we look at fasting, it gives this greater purpose to our prayer, and it leads us to a spiritual reset or a reorganization, if you will, of the priorities of our life. It causes us to refocus or to recalibrate not just our mind uh, and our heart, but our soul as well as we focus completely upon the Lord. And, And so here's what we're doing. In fasting, we are refraining from a physical desire so that we can then pursue an in-depth and intimate relationship with Jesus. And here's what we find. So often in fasting, we think about what we're going to do without. But what God teaches us is that where we have removed something, He comes in and fills that void. He comes in and stands in the gap. I love what Ronnie Floyd says in his book, The Power of Prayer and Fasting. He says that fasting shows a complete helplessness and humility before God. It's renouncing the natural to invoke the supernatural. And so that's what happens in in fasting is that we are revoking something that is natural for us and we're replacing it with something that is supernatural, a dependence upon the Lord. And so here's what fasting does. It helps us to intentionally cut through the clutter of our spiritual lives. It brings clarity out of our chaos or it brings clarity out of our confusion. That's why I think this is such a great discipline for the days that we find ourselves in now. So what happens is that fasting brings transformation to your life. And what happens is it begins to draw you closer to God and draw you closer to his holiness. So here's something that we've got to understand right now for today. God may not change your circumstances. We are all enduring and suffering uh, under this COVID-19 virus and and the, the drastic change to our lives. So God may not change your circumstances, but rest on this truth that God will change your heart. And and so I I think as we look at fasting as as a discipline for us, we're saying, God, change my heart to allow my heart to not only hear you, but give me eyes to see the way that you do. Help me to see the the places that you're working. And, And so honestly, when we look at fasting, it's going to be costly. It's going to be sacrificial. And it should be nothing less because, you know, you can, you can fast from other things. I know that for some of you, maybe a, maybe a food fast is something that you can't do because of uh, medical conditions or whatever. I understand that, you know, it would do some of us a a great deal of good to do a digital fast or a social media fast or uh, a TV news fast for a season. Uh, Find something that we can do that is going to be costly, something that is going to be sacrificial. Uh, so we can see uh, and consider that cost. And then the thing about fasting that we have to understand is that it is a short season that has a long-term effect. And so what we do for that day or that week or maybe even that month of fasting reaps benefits in our lives that are, are years, that are in the years to come. Uh, and so fasting teaches us some life-changing lessons. Here's just a few. One is this renewed focus, and we have renewed focus because these distractions that have have been in our life are removed. We're purposefully pushing them out of the way to have greater spiritual uh, and and heavenly uh, focus. And then also, fasting is always an act of obedience. And what I mean by that is that a fast in your life is in response to the call or the prompting of the Lord. 
Like we don't just decide I'm going to fast today. It really needs to be the result of, of you know, being compelled by the Holy Spirit uh, to do that and, and to, to follow him in that way. And so if we're fasting for some other reason than God has called us to it and that the Holy Spirit is strengthening, we're not fasting, we're just dieting. Okay. And so then we see that fasting is this response to God through prayer. I think it's really interesting that we've spent the past two weeks looking at prayer from Jesus' perspective, and then in light of that, now Jesus introduces this practice or discipline of fasting. And so we see prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And then really what fasting does is it disciplines the appetites of our flesh. And and in doing so, it keeps the spiritual priorities of our life in their proper place. And so when we fast, it should always lead us to the worship of God and lead us to deeper devotion to God. And so as, as we fast, we see that this spiritual focus is intentional, it's purposeful behind that. And so Jesus then continues in verse 16 and he says, look, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites who go and disfigure their faces that others may see them. Truly, uh, I say to you, they have received your, their reward. But truly, I say to you that when you fast, and there's that establishment of expectation again, Jesus says, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And so what Jesus is teaching us here in this center section of the text is simply this. Spiritual focus comes from sincerity. Spiritual focus comes from sincerity. And so, you know, let's just pause for a moment and and consider the purpose of our fast. We've, We've got to remember, why am I doing this? Okay, because it is costly, it is sacrificial, it's, it's especially not very pleasant in the beginning stages of it, but why am I doing this? And so what Jesus does here is something that he's done throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He uses a negative illustration, and so he points us to the hypocrites. And so the word hypocrite in Greek comes, it really means the word actor, someone who plays a role that is not who they truly are. And so Jesus uses hypocrite and Pharisee kind of interchangeably in the Sermon on the Mount. So he's pointing to the hypocrites or the Pharisees as an example of what not to do. And so the Pharisees in their religious practice, they fasted twice a week. Sometimes they would fast up to four times a week, not because they were more spiritual, but because they wanted to show their superiority in their holiness and righteousness. They did it so that others would see. And so the way that they would do that is that when they would fast, they would put on like a slop on sloppy clothes, you know, that were maybe kind of worn out. They would put ashes on their head to show as if they were mourning. They would walk around with faces that were, you know, downcast and mourning mournful, uh, so that people would see. They were conveying this message of, I am suffering for my piety. Here's what Jesus said. Don't do that. He said, don't do what the hypocrites do. They're going to receive their reward. You see, the adoration of the people was the greatest reward that the hypocrites or the Pharisees would receive. And what happened is they just simply misinterpreted the purpose of their fast But I think even greater than that, they misinterpreted the person for whom they were fasting. They cared more about their reputation of righteousness than actually pursuing the righteousness of God. 
And so a couple of weeks ago, I made this statement. I want to come back to it. Hypocrisy is the opposite of integrity. Hypocrisy is a thief. Hypocrisy is a robber. Hypocrisy robs you of the reality of true life in Christ. Hypocrisy robs you of the reward of our Heavenly Father. Hypocrisy robs us of any kind of spiritual influence that we may enjoy. And so hypocrisy is the opposite of integrity. But the way that we overcome hypocrisy is through, is through honesty and integrity. It's through living a life of, of holiness and honesty. And so when we look at fasting as a whole, what Jesus is teaching us here is this. Not only is fasting rooted in sincerity, the attitude of the heart, but fasting is deeply rooted in humility. Humility crushes the wall of pride in your life. And the reason it is because humility is not natural. Humility is not comfortable. We don't enjoy being humble. But what, we, what happens is when we place our faith in ourselves or our systems or our structures more than we do our Savior, we reveal the depth of our pride. And so humility, on the other hand, doesn't come from puffing ourselves up. It comes from a place of brokenness. And really, it comes from the brokenness over our own sin. It comes from the brokenness over the sin in our family. It comes over the brokenness from the sin in our land. And and honestly, we will not have a spiritual hungering for God until or unless we are broken. So when we look at fasting or practicing fasting apart from humility, but apart from a broken and contrite heart, uh, it will not lead to the spiritual renewal or the spiritual awakening that you are seeking. And so then what Jesus does here at the beginning of verse 18 is he, he begins to show us the secret to fasting. And, and the secret to fasting is fasting in secret. Okay. Jesus instructs us, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. And what he is saying is, hey, you need to go and appear as normal. This is everything is going as it usually does. Do nothing to draw attention to yourself. It's very interesting that Jesus says to anoint your head because in uh, Judaism and the practices of Jude, Jude, and the practices of Jewish faith. You would anoint your head, especially when you were going to a feast or a celebration. And so for Jesus to say, anoint your head here, it helps us to, to understand that fasting really is feasting. Now, we're not feasting in a spiritual sense, but we are feasting upon the goodness of God and his faithfulness and his steadfastness to us. And so Jesus says, anoint your head, wash your face, do everything as you normally would, but make sure that no one knows what you are doing because what is done in secret for the Lord is rewarded by him. And what's really interesting is the word secret that we read here in verse 18 is the same word that we read in verse 4 and verse 6 when it talks about a secret reward from our Heavenly Father. And so, look, fasting is a private expression of a personal faith. 
And really, it's an expression of a proper holiness in our life, but also in this proper orientation or positioning of our life in relation to God. And so God is the true north. Our Heavenly Father is the true north of our life. And so fasting helps us to reorient our life behind him and put us in a proper position to follow after him. And so let's just talk real quick. I want to give you some practical things that will help you get started if you feel God is prompting you to fast. So here's here's how we here's how we do that. First is this. You simply need to seek the Lord about this first. You, you need to inquire of the Lord of whether or not you are to fast or not. If he's compelling you to do that, then then I mean, seek him out in that desire his direction. And then the second thing is simply this start slow. Like, don't think you're going to do a 40-day fast right right off the bat. You're not going to make it. Uh, But maybe you want to begin this way. I'm going to fast one meal a week. Maybe say, I'm going to take lunch on Wednesday, and I'm going to use that time for prayer and study. And then use that one meal and turn that into a day. Maybe you want to take a 24-hour period. I would encourage you to start uh, according to the Jewish day. So start at 6 p.m. the night before and go through 6 p.m. And then you can break your fast with a meal. Uh, one day could lead to a three-day fast like we read in the book of Esther. Uh, then you could lead to a seven-day fast, a week-long fast. Okay, Anything beyond that, uh, and really fasting at all, you need to consult your physician uh, and make sure that you are that's going to be okay with him because you may want to do a 21-day fast or even a 40-day fast like Jesus did. And, and I wouldn't say you need to do anything more than that, more than, than 40 days, because then there are some physical repercussions of that. But as we seek the Lord, he will lead us in the length of that. And then as you're doing this, it's really important to journal your journey. You know, write the, the things that you're praying about, write prayers to the Lord, things that you're learning, struggles that you're having, successes that you are experiencing. Because, you know, when you go through this, God is going to reveal some things to you and you want to make sure you've got a record of that. And then just this, this is kind of our daily sustenance spiritually is we want to spend time with God each and every day in prayer and in the word. Because in those beginning moments of that fast, when you're really hungry, we're going to substitute spiritual food for physical food. All right. So spend time with God, not only daily, but throughout the day. And then just the last thing is this. Remember why. Remember why you are doing this. And if at any point you're just fasting, but it's not for it's not meeting the reason as to why you're doing it, then stop. Okay. And so then the last thing that we want to talk about this morning simply is this is that that spiritual focus unleashes spiritual reward. And so at the end of verse 18, Jesus says this, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. And so when we, when we come through our fast, the reward is, is, is at the end. But, but one of the things we find is that a renewed focus on the Lord is something that leads to these lasting rewards. So we want to answer the question of when is the re- reward realized? When is the reward realized? Because that is key. For the Pharisees and the hypocrites, their reward was realized immediately in the adoration of people. And so that immediate reward was very temporary because it was gone. For the disciple, often our reward is going to be delayed. We may not see it right away. We may not even see it uh, you know, within a month or two or a year or, or ever. But we see that the reward that we receive from our Heavenly Father is an everlasting reward. And so when the reward is realized is dependent upon how and why 
we fast. And keep this in mind that when you fast, and in all seasons of life, God truly knows your heart. He knows why you are doing it. And so the spiritual reward of our Father is greater than the temporary reward of people. You see, a heart that is inclined to God desires godly reward. And so this word reward that Jesus uses here in in, uh, verse 18, it just simply means this. It's giving payment in return for something uh, that was done. And, And so... Really, this, the word that's used here in verse 18 is different from the, verse, the word that's used for reward in verse 17. In 17, it's the word misthos. In verse 18, it's from the word apodidomai. And so Jesus uses two different words here, and he does that to show that the misthos is kind of the earthly reward, that it's temporary, it's not here for very long. But the reward of God, the apodidomai kind of reward, is an eternal or everlasting reward. And so when we are fasting in response to God's righteousness, we receive a positive divine reward from God. And so you may be asking, okay, this is great. I feel like I may be compelled to, to begin fasting. So what are the rewards that I can expect? And so I just wanted to share a few of those with you as we close this morning. So here's what we can expect. I think one of those rewards is this, this idea of freedom from the things that bind us and entangle us and keep us from being spiritually focused, but more importantly, that keep us from having an intimate relationship with God. I think you know one thing we've learned in this season of shelter in place or stay at home is that a lot of things from our life are being stripped away. And uh, I found that a lot of the things that have been stripped away from my life were really unnecessary. They were hindering me in a lot of ways as opposed to helping me. And so we get this, this freedom from the things that have been holding us back. And then I think a second reward is we experience a deeper intimacy with God. When we remove the noise and clutter from our spiritual life, we hear God so much more clearly in his word and even as he speaks to us in his Holy Spirit. So intimacy with God is another uh, reward that we uh, receive. And then there's this aspect of self-renewal or spiritual renewal. When we deny ourselves the things that we want in the flesh, God steps in and replaces that with spiritual uh, things. And so the denial of self just naturally is going to lead to a surrender to God. And when we surrender to God, we experience a deeper spiritual renewal. There's also in the midst of our fast a shift of focus from self to God. And now we become more dependent upon Him. And so, uh, you know, in these days, I think that that's a a great thing for us to keep in mind is that I have found myself drawn more to uh, God's word, drawn more to prayer, um, maybe because things have been stripped away, but also because I realize that the only way I'm going to be able to endure this season of life is for me to lean in more deeply to the Lord and depend upon him. I don't have the answers to all the questions that I'm asking, but I do know the one who holds them. Okay. Also, when we fast, there is a clarity of focus. It's as if, if God unclouds our thinking, and, and, and essentially what he does is he makes us more attentive to the leading and prompting of his Holy Spirit. So there's a clarity in our mind. And then also through fasting, it, it allows our heart to become more attentive and, and more receptive to the promptings of God. 
As we begin to see people, we begin to see them the way that Jesus does. As we listen to the needs of people, we begin to hear them the way that Jesus would hear, hear them. And so what happens is that through prayer and fasting, God um, causes us to not only know his will, but to put our life in line with his will that we might obey him. Then just a couple more. There is great unity with the Lord and among other believers. As we are decluttering our life, so to speak, through fasting, we find that there's a greater intimacy with God, but there's also a greater unity with fellow believers. And then also there's just an agreement with God's agenda. I want to do the things that God desires for me. I want to be about my heavenly father's business. And so we see that there is a greater agreement in that. And then I love this one, that we regain the wonder of God. I think sometimes our minds and our hearts become so cluttered with things that we miss out on the awe and wonder of God. And we begin to see that God truly is awesome. And not just, that's not just words that come from our mouth, but really it is an expression of our heart. And then just the last reward I think that we see is there is an advancement of the gospel. That as we clear our life out of things that are time suckers, that now we, we are able to uh, spend time with Jesus, and the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more He's going to be on our lips, and we're sharing with people the things that we are learning. And so in a season where we seem to have way more questions than answers, let us intentionally and purposefully reorient our life to the one who holds those answers. I really believe that our Heavenly Father has allowed this season uh, for our nation and for our world, not because he's mean and cruel, but simply because he desires that his people will return to him and that we will renew our focus on the things that really matter and that we will have all of the more reason to testify to God's goodness and his grace. Now understand that this doesn't come without cost. And so as we close this morning, I want to ask you two very simple questions. The first question is this, what are you willing to do without to enter into God's presence? What are you willing to do without in order to enter into God's presence? You see, when we look at the life of Jesus, for us to enter into God's presence, it costs Jesus everything. And so as we ask the question, what are we willing to go without or do without to enter into God's presence? Then the second question is this, if it costs Jesus everything, then why do we think it should cost us any less? And so this morning, as we close our time together and before our praise team comes to lead us in a time of reflection and response, uh, consider those things. Consider how God may be prompting you to begin a fast of a, of a meal or a, a day. I would even encourage you that as our church prays for our community, community this coming Tuesday, April 7th, that maybe you would consider uh, incorporating a fast into part of that day or even into the whole day as we are seeking God's direction and leadership and protection and deliverance in these days. Mm -hmm.